as always, is Chris, an infrequent show about mental health, being vulnerable with one another, and whatever I feel like. Today we're talking about the Lantern Cinema. I know that I brought up Lantern Cinema at some point on this show before, but for anyone who doesn't know or hadn't heard that, Lantern Cinema is a film society collective here in Des Moines, Iowa. It is helmed by Hannah and Dustin Harmson, two former guests on this show, and then I just kind of piggyback off of that and force my way into it. And in addition to live movie screenings pre-COVID-19, we have a podcast, Lantern Cinema Podcast. And this is kind of a bonus crossover episode with that show. On the Lantern Podcast, we do like deep dives into a single movie at a time and watch the trailer for it, talk about the director, how it was made, or just general thoughts on it, plot, synopsis, all sorts of stuff. And recently, one of my picks was Moonrise Kingdom, directed by Wes Anderson. And I have some very important problems with this movie, including how it is just a painfully white cast, and probably not a great idea to have two white kids say, quote, this is our land, close quote, in front of a sign designated the land that they're on as having been Native American trail. Probably don't need to have that sign in that shot, at least make it a little less gross. But overall, I love this movie, and I don't know. I love this movie, and I should have had that alarm on my phone turned off. Um, I love this film, and part of why I do is because of take on mental health. When Dustin and Hannah had been on the show almost two years ago, the primary thing we talked about was movies and mental health, and we talked a little bit about Wes Anderson and um, Bottle Rocket in particular, when the lead had just been in a mental health facility and out of school and just kind of away and how awkward a lot of people had treated him in that movie just whenever feelings of any kind were brought up it's like oh this isn't something we should talk about it's the 90s um but feeling like that was still like a fairly accurate no overall a pretty good take um although it's honest movies like world tenenbaums have that very famous visceral suicide attempt scene and I can see some people viewing that as like romanticizing suicide, but I hope that it is so graphic and hard to watch that don't take it that way. <laughs> I don't take it that way. Um, and then like in Darjeeling Limited, there's a character that you find out later had attempted suicide. And it's this big moment of like, oh, why my face has been wrapped up this way. And there's some like very notable and overt things with depression depicted in his films, but in Moonrise Kingdom, I feel like it's maybe the most important, or at least part of it is. So in the movie, virtually all of the adult characters are dealing with some sort of issue. None of them are especially happy people. There's like this failed abusive marriage um, where Bill Murray's character even talks about like wanting to be killed like not wanting to kill himself but just wanting to die and have the roof of their house fly off in a storm and him to just get like sucked away and um being very self-loathing and feeling like his family would be better without him even though his kids definitely wouldn't be better without him speaking from my perspective as someone as a product of divorce stick with your 
kids. Even if you don't stick in your marriage, because bad marriage is bad, get out of that. But um, to Bruce Willis, um, just like being lonely <laughs> and being in love with someone who doesn't feel the same way back and not having much going on with his life. Um, to Scoutmaster Ward, where being a Scoutmaster isn't really his job, but he treats it like it is, and he has like this immense responsibility and is just failing these kids. Um, when Sam is away and he's just having this moment of recording his thoughts and like hoping that tomorrow's better, and then there's another scene where he's doing the same sort of thing and he just doesn't record. Like He just feels so defeated that this thing that is very important and personal to him is not going well and that lives are potentially at stake because of him or he's making it about him but getting past the adults it's the kids who shine and with Susie one key thing for me is her revealing that she discovered a book that her mother had been reading titled coping with the very troubled child and it took me until recently to fully appreciate how shitty the book title that is and the contents of it must have been should this fictional scenario manifest itself in reality for someone. Because even just the phrasing of it, it's coping with. And to cope with something is to deal with something. Not to understand, not to help or support, but just like how to deal with having a kid who you deem to be troubled. So it's not a good take for someone to have, but it's one that people do often have, is, oh, I don't know what the problem is or how I can be part of the solution. I'm just going to figure out how to ignore the problem or look beyond it instead of fix it. Or I'm going to try to learn how to put a Band-Aid on this thing that requires a lot more attention than that. And I don't know that I have personally had something exactly fit that um, but thinking back to my youth um, I definitely know that my mom and I didn't know how to deal with my sister's struggles during her teen years and even though like I was also very depressed um, I secluded and sequestered myself in my room and dealt with things in different negative ways and wasn't very loud about it where my sister like Susie um lashed out and I think that the two of them had at times a similar tumultuous relationship to these characters here and um might have had a book similar to this at some point um but beyond that now and then switching gears to Sam when we talked about this movie on the Lantern show. I don't think I brought this up, but maybe I did. It's it still stuck with me rewatching the movie this last time. It was just like, ow, that moment hurts of Sam being a character who has lost his parents and is in a foster home. And when he and Susie are having like a positive arc of their adventure away and young romance. Um, he mentions that while they don't feel quite like a family in the way that he imagines like Susie's typical family is like, that he thinks that they're getting to know each other better, they're doing better, and that they won't be mad at him for his like little escape. But at that point, 
the viewers have already learned that the family has said they won't get him back because he's like much of a problem, and that is it. It just crushes me. <laughs> um, it's less relevant to how I'm gonna like lead into wrapping this up, but I just wanted to call attention to that moment because it it just really hurt. Um, and I think that things like that are why I am so invested in this tale and why this is probably my second favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Um, it is up there, but staying on Sam and shifting more toward kind of his trauma and his mental health, the entire first half of this film is referred to multiple times as being emotionally disturbed. I think that's like the exact phrase that's used a couple of times and people rehash similar things and they're always like angry about it when they're saying it and he's ostracized for it and no one cares to attempt to understand him there's like oh he's the loner kid whose parents died there's something wrong with him we're just we're gonna decide to not like him like, from day one but he's weird there's something bad about him let's just like pick on him or ignore him and that sucks <laughs> and similar stigmas like that suck or even just oh, hey, that's, like, the depressed person, or, oh, that's my friend that, like, didn't text back about plans or something. Um, I mean, I've been very awful in quarantine, my mental health in general, treated a lot, and uh, unless people text me, like, the minutes before we're supposed to have a Zoom call or play a game or something, I just, like, drop off. Um, so if every time I did that, people then wouldn't, try again someday to like do anything that would suck and that happens and that has happened um but then what makes this arc good is the second half is there's this immediate shift with the second half of the movie starting in the very very dangerously tall treehouse that the khaki scouts have where one of them kind of realizes, oh, hey, why have we been such shit kids to Sam? Like, oh, he's emotionally disturbed. Okay, what does that mean? And why do we think that's bad? And why are we treating him badly because of that? And then without even having to think about it too much, there's just like a 180 and all of them decide, oh, hey, we've been assholes. It is okay to be this way. It is okay to have this sort of background. It is okay to just like not be happy or particularly like emotionally stable all the time. Or to have just had something bad happen to you and for that to not define you and who you are. And then they immediately tried to become his friends and help him and Susie kind of escape and then try to continue on the path that they had started earlier. And even beyond that, the adults kind of get their shit together a little bit more. They become a little bit more understanding, or at least try to be. And by the time we get to the end of the film, like these two kids who were supposed to be like separated forever can continue to exist and have their like young romance. And not everything is perfect, but things are becoming normalized and better. And I appreciate that, that there's not some tragic ending which has happened in some of his other movies, or just in film and media in general, that things don't have to be perfect, but that they still like wrap up 
with a positive upswing. I love Moonrise Kingdom. Um, beyond that, hopefully I will be returning to doing the show more properly, more frequently. For a long time, I didn't really have a laptop. My MacBook is about dead. Um, I turned it on today to upload some files that I could use on my new laptop, and it took whew, almost a full two hours just for the computer to start and me to get logged in, because um, it's very, very truly on its last legs. I have a new laptop, which I'm using right now, which means that this show exists, but it is not a Mac um, for my first time in 13-ish years, something like that, um, which means I don't have access to GarageBand anymore, and I'm using something new. And not that the show has ever sounded perfect or that I have been an editing wizard ever, um, but at least I had gotten accustomed to the basics of how I did stuff, and now I have to relearn that. So bear with me if there are still struggles from time to time, but this sounds fine. You can still find me on the internet, although I remember that it's been a while since I've released an episode of the show. My handle on social media has since changed. I am now at Honest Juicebox on Twitter and Instagram, and I do not exist on other forms of social media. I still have. Um, oh no! Oh no! Sad Song Dispatch. I was like, Dispatch, Dispatch. What are the other words? Sad Song Dispatch is still a playlist of songs on Spotify. I've added a couple songs to it. Probably going to continue to do that. Uh, I think I'm shifting the tone a little bit, which had already been happening, of instead of like mostly sad songs, also have some kind of uplifting things in there. Um, good songs to listen to when you are sad. Sometimes sad songs fit the bill. Sometimes they're a problem. So trying to have a wider breadth of what is there. And then you can find The Lantern Cinema um, at The Lantern Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Gmail. And that podcast is on everything that this show is on. We'll get on Spotify eventually, which I've been saying for forever. But it seems like it's actually an easier thing to make possible than the first couple of times I tried to explore that. So now it's just about putting the time into making that a thing. Otherwise, still on SoundCloud iTunes, Google, Stitcher, random podcast sources happen to like pick up stuff from there. And uh, The Lantern is also on YouTube, audio only. And I think I might start doing some sort of YouTube stuff myself. We'll see. Quarantine's weird. And then I have one other thing to plug before I'm going to let y'all go. But I made a tiny little game. It's my first game ever. It is extremely basic. There's like no audio or anything. All you do is walk around. Um, it is available at honestjuicebox.itch.io. You'll find me there. Um, the game is called A Monday on 4th Street on itch.io. And uh, it's just a little thing going around 4th Street here in Des Moines, going inside the Volvo Muse, going inside the lift, couple of my favorite places that I've talked about on here, chatting with my friends and some strangers, 
and just like a little slice of life thing about what our lives were like and will be like again eventually. Um, I'm just trying to learn how to make stuff. I always want to draw or write or make a comic or a game or a song or a thing. And I often don't fall through with that or do for a bit, but then don't learn how to progress it to make it something more. So this is an attempt to at least ramble over. Hope you all are doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, socially distancing, accepting that things are going to be weird forever now, but especially not getting better anytime soon. Don't be reckless. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Bye.